Welcome to Homespun Wisdom Talks with My Neighbour. Bonjour, bienvenue à Homespun Wisdom. There's no translation for that. Uh, Conversation avec mon voisin, avec moi, Daniel Confino, et mon copain, Sarah Charmin. Bonjour, comment allez-vous? Très bien, merci. Perfect. just shows the importance of language. Yeah, that is wichtig. But language is also connected with countries. Yes. And the French. Speak French. We can speak French, but that doesn't make us French. No. And in fact, you know, um, I work with the nationalities of Europe and beyond, actually. And these days, that includes Americans, Japanese, Indians, uh, on a daily basis. So maybe I could be forgiven for having views about what makes one different from the other. You have to make those quite difficult people judgments about uh, about nationalities. I mean, uh, so you know, the, the, the difficulty with all of these things is that on average, a Frenchman mm-hmm. or a French woman will be sort of like this or like that. But you're always confronted with an individual, and they may be nothing like that. And the danger is to stereotype them. Oh, yeah. Which means to assume that whatever you're confronted with, that that is the archetypal Frenchman or Frenchwoman or German. And then you go into some sort of completely inappropriate mode. But I think we all suffer from this stereotyping to some extent. 100%. And I can maybe illustrate that best in a version of what's called European Heaven and European Hell. Uh-huh. And that is when you try and place the national of the country yeah. in the best and the worst job for them. Okay. So let me start you, Sarah. Can I just say, when you suggested this, yeah. I thought we were going round to the European countries and saying what was good and bad about them, like, as a holiday experience. Well, we can move on to that. Okay. But I'm just establishing that, you know, however great you think you are at not having prejudices and stereotypes, Mm. this little quiz, let's call it, is going to establish that you do have some thoughts which come from somewhere and you need to reflect on exactly where they are. But anyway, so Sarah, um, if you had to choose somebody who was likely to be the best chef, do you think that person would be most likely French, German, Italian, British, Swiss, Dutch, Belgian or Danish? I'd go for French. And after French? I'd go for uh, Italian. Yeah, what about the Dutch? The Dutch? Hmm. Maybe with their bacon, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) But in other words, you know, there there were a couple that that were top of your list, French and um, Italian. Yeah. And to be fair, I would have chosen them as well, although to be... You know, also fair, the Brits have a lot of very good chefs these days. They do. That question 20 years ago would have been a no-brainer, no Brits. Yes, but Brits aren't on... Oh, no, they're there. They are there. Oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. So you could have included them. Right, now police. Who would you like to be the typical policeman in Europe? Would you like the French, the Germans, 
the Italians, the Brits, the Swiss, the Dutch, the Belgians, or the Danes. I mean, I think I've seen some photos of Italian policemen, and they look quite sexy. They do. That's the Carabinieri. They're the ones that have that red stripe down their trousers. Oh, yes, yes. And look, yeah. I mean, basically, my wife, Jane, likes to be fined more than once by these people. You know, <laughs> she pays the fine and then says, any chance we could just do that again? <laughs> she's, a, oh, she's a woman that knows what she wants. Yeah, but I mean, but, you know, but in terms of in terms of let's call it trust. I mean, what's what's unusual about the British police in the world today? Really unusual. They don't have truncheons, guns. They don't have guns, right? Yeah, yeah that makes a huge difference. Yes, and do so the way they it. behave. Yes, and the ones that I, I mean, have seen with guns don't make me feel safe. No, that's the other side of it. They're not familiar with guns, and when mm. they use them, it's often not terribly helpful but the fact that they don't have a gun yeah means they have to behave differently yes and they're more approachable exactly yeah somebody who's got a big firearm you, you don't really want to go up to them and ask them for directions do no, you or but to dance british, with you at carnival but a, <laughs> but a british bobby is you know yeah completely safe yeah and that makes a huge difference so the which country wouldn't you like the police mm, to be from germany because I mean, it's a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah, they just I, know, have, I know what you're thinking. They just don't have a good tr track record. They seem so stern. Hmm. Militant. Do you think the Germans have a, a you know, kind of a laissez-faire, you know, where they're quite relaxed about rules, you know, if you break them, and, well, nothing much happened there, we can ignore that, turn a blind eye, or do you think they're sticklers for it? I would imagine that they're sticklers. Mm. But that's me imagining. I do not know. I always remember an interview I heard on the radio. Yeah. And it, was a, it was a walking, talking interview right. in Germany with one of the top rappers oh. who was effing and blinding and, you know, being uh. really street, had lots of street cred. Then they get to a junction and he stops and doesn't cross the road. And the interviewer says, what are you doing? And he says, oh, the, it's red. The little man is red okay so you know i mean you, you imagine this person that's a rapper you know effing and blinding and all the rest of it you know wouldn't stop at a little red man but apparently they, they do you know there's a um, sense of order and of course of it could be because the police aren't very pleasant and you know it could be because they're naturally obedient or it could mm. be because they know that they won't get away with anything right i'm not sure the stasi which was in East Germany, you know, the the, the police yeah. who used to bug your apartment and have people inform on you. They were pretty horrible. Yeah. In fact, people thought that was the worst it could be until they invented social media, okay. which is way worse than the Stasi. Probably, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Finding something you said 23 years ago and, you know, putting it up in, in lights today. Right, so police. Any other countries you wouldn't particularly like to see um, doing the police work? French. Yeah. Yeah. The collaborators, basically. Mm. Yeah. Right, let's move on. Yeah. The lovers. The lovers. Would you like the lover to be French, German, Italian, British, Swiss, Dutch, Belgian, or Danish? Just, you know, in general terms. I mean, me personally, I like a Swiss. <laughs> what do you know about the Swiss and their amorous moves? Uh, well... A little bit, actually. Mm, yes. Yeah. Uh, anything you care to share, or is that a bit personal? Uh, I would not like to share. No. Mm. 
But, you had uh, a good time with a Swiss. Was he um, was he thoughtful, considerate, gentle? You know, unstoppable. I mean, I'm just going to say, I did not take him to bed with me, but we had a nice evening together uh, on a ski trip. So yeah, right. well, apres ski time, and you didn't do anything with it. Like glue vine. I was very young at the time as well. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. So lovers. But, you know, typically, what do people think who make the best lovers? Oh, the French or the Italians. People are drawn to the city of love or the... It's got to be the Italians, right? I mean, but the French, they're very sexy. Like, the French women are so powerful in their sexual presence. Yeah, like being they're... 40 in, in France and being sexy is quite possible and beyond. Mm. They, yeah, the French women know how to carry themselves. They, they don't get into all that nonsense like you in America with, you know, uh, getting so oversensitive about every little slight from a chap. They just give them a good slap around the face. Yes. Or a knee in the groin. I mean, they wouldn't get, you know, resort to social media to deal with their problems. They just deal with it direct. They are powerful. Yes. But then the Italians love their PDAs, their public displays of affection. Yeah. Of course. Mm. The the Italians know how to compliment a woman. Yeah. And how to undress her with their eyes. Marco did that to me the other day. What, undressed you with his eyes? Oh, yes. Did he look up and down? It was literally like a sort of a digital thing where he was... Just peeling you out of what I mean. He skipped out my face. He just went from the waist down. No, he wasn't interested in the. um, No, he was really. I I could see why not. He was just checking out my trousers. Um, You you felt that he was undressing you. I was like, Marco, you checked out my trousers. He was like, Yeah, they're very nice. I was like, Thank you. But yeah, there is a way of undressing a woman with your eyes. Mm, You can do it with men too. I mean, I always say to women, and they love this comment, Mm. that when a man compliments a woman on something she's wearing. Yeah. You, you look amazing in that dress. Yeah. What they're really saying is, I would like to remove that dress ah, from you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what they're saying is, that, you know, it looks great on, but I'm actually thinking about taking it off. Taking right? it off. But they don't say that, of course. But Whereabouts is the zip located? Does <laughs> it have buttons? Do you know, I'm an expert on couture devices. Nips, tucks, buttons, oh. zips. Concealed Clasps. zips because Hook they're and, a bugger. Those Hook and ones. eye under under bra structures, you know, like mm. bone, whalebone, wire, um, and all those things. I mean, basically, you know, there's so many devices for a woman yeah. to, to sort of manage herself into a recognisable female shape. Yeah. You know, bustle herself up into something. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the sack dress of Balenciaga. We did, yes. And he just sort of basically said, look, if you've given up here's the dress for you. you know, don't worry about it. It will cover everything. But for the sort of woman that wants to still try and force herself into a, a body-hugging thing, you know, mm. there's lots of ways of propping up the, the bosom yeah. and, um, you know, flattening the stomach and so on. But I always imagine that, you know, if you... If and you mostly, got... the French designed them all. Yes, the French are responsible for the best couture houses. Mm. Um, but, you know, I just have this sort of vision that, you know, so there's this woman in my imagination who's done everything to bustle herself yeah. you know, into this recognisably you know, attractive shape and then you, then you get back and you just pull a couple of you know, the, the couture devices you know, and she just sort of just flops into this amorphous saggy mass you know, all those things are gone and she's back to her natural state yes. why have we gone on to this? 
It's not very attractive, is it? <laughs> well, uh, we're still talking about, about the lovers, whether the French or the Italians are the better lovers. Do you know, the French and Italians have been scoring a lot of points so far, haven't they? they I'm have. saying who's the best, and they've yeah. not been in the worst. They've not. But let's talk about organising everything. Oh. Now, I'm sure you're not going to put the French or the Italians into the no. who would organise everything. Who are you going to... Who are you going to put in the organisation side of things? Well, everyone would go for Germans, wouldn't they? But oh, I don't no, there's another, there's another nationality there that you should be thinking about. The Belgians? No. Dutch? I'm not doing this by elimination. The Swiss? I mean, what's the matter with oh, you? Oh, yes. The Swiss? The Swiss I mean, Swiss for God's sake. The Swiss. Oh, I'm just still for focused God's on their men. Oh, dear. Well, they invented the bloody watch or the cuckoo oh, clock. Oh, yes. What are the two things the Swiss are famous for having invented? cheese and the watch <laughs> not the cheese the cuckoo clock and Swiss instant cheese. instant coffee instant coffee yeah they invented instant coffee well nestle you, you know nestle right yes i mean this is the often the joke seems switzerland has been neutral and mm. uninvaded and yeah. uninvolved in wars for 500 years it's had you know canton based democracy lots of plebiscites or referendums it's really inclusive yeah 500 years of that, what have they invented? Well, I just told you. Come yeah, on. The watch and the cuckoo clock. <laughs> and then, no, the instant coffee. Oh, the instant coffee! Yeah, oh. so, so is this an advertisement for, you know, peace and tranquility? Or do you think that maybe <sighs> war, invasion, you mm. know, bombing the shit out of each other? Actually, you know, I'm not an advocate for this, by the way, but nevertheless, you know, it does make spur you on to greater things yeah it? yeah i mean we went into world war ii with basically basically a sop with camel biplane and came out of it with a jet fighter you know in six years think about that mm. right right organization talk to me about the swiss and the germans then what, what do you know about about their powers of organization oh, wow it's like a, a natural reaction for them to get things moving and made and to the best the best, Think uh, about order versus chaos. So yes. What, what's the, what do the Germans put highest value on? Order or chaos? Order. Order. Yes. Yep. As in following orders. Following and setting well, orders. I was, I was only following orders. <laughs> <laughs> that went out of fashion quite badly in 1946. Yeah. But it's still used, actually. Okay. A lot of people who like to hide behind that. You know, I gave up. I sacrificed my integrity, my independence, mm. and I just followed what I was told to do. Uh, very convenient. So, you, do you think the Swiss or the Germans would be tops in in, in um, organization? I have to tell you, actually, as you're, as, as you're thinking, the Germans have lost it a bit. What recently? Maybe they're trying to uh, set new new waves. They're doing a take two. See the thing about. They're rewriting their scripts. Let me make a really important point here. Okay. If your society is not attractive and the attraction is that it's just ordered, yeah, you know, that's it. You know, I love being in Germany because everything is so very ordered. Yeah, mm. you can rely upon train turning up on time. Mm. Then, if they lose that, what have they got? Chaos. No, but, no. Well, it's, yeah, sort of chaos. <laughs> but I mean, it's not. It's not very attractive, is it? No. I mean, you know, if the one thing that they, they are all about for, yes. is, is order, and yeah. then they don't have that, yeah, they don't normally. You know, I mean, so if you take the Italians, where things are a bit more chaotic, oh yes, 
then you know they're chaotic, and mm. you, you learn to deal with the chaos. Yes, you know. But but actually, you think, but it's lovely because they're so charming, they dress so well, the food's so good. You know, so you don't. So when you take away the one thing that Germany is is renowned for, it's actually hollowed out. Yeah, not much there. What about the Swiss? What do you think about them? I don't know much about them. But everything is you know there's a it's French... so nice, isn't it? Everything's to the best quality. There's no expense spared. Yeah. They do yeah. They that's have right. the good life. There's no there's no sort of you know, dodgy stuff. No. No cut corners. Everyone wants no to No third go... rate things, no second rate things, even everything is first rate. Yes. Yeah. It's no accident that many of the best municipal... I know this because I do mergers and acquisitions for a living. Have I mentioned that before? No. I think I have. <laughs> that many of the best municipal cleaning machines... Right. You know, those little things you see going around spraying and yeah. with brushes. They, oh, yeah. They're made in, 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 in Switzerland. Oh. It's actually like a major industry for them. Oh. Apart from the cheese, which you remember. But even their cheese is the best. They do, do. They do have cheese. amazing cows. Happy cows. What, what, what do they have around their necks to make sure you know they're happy? Bells. Yeah, they're bells. Yeah. And in in in, in uh, Switzerland, you can have the morning milk or the evening milk cheese. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's that clever. Wow. And their little chalets and the skiing. And there's all the banks and the money and the gnomes of Zurich. Yeah. Um... Oh. But, yeah. I stopped off in Switzerland actually on my way back from Italy and it was only for a few hours but I strolled around just pretending I was part of them looking in the shops and buying some lovely chocolates and yeah just enjoying life now Sarah yes what about engineers people who design and make stuff mm-hmm. are we going to go with the French and the Italians again no Right. What are we going German. To Von Sprung. What's it called? Um, yes. Progress through technology. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. Von Sprung. Von- Dirk oh, Sprung something or other. Yeah. There we are. Well, we've forgotten what that is. But anyway, yeah. um, what... Um... I'm concerned about the Dutch and the Danish because they and the Belgians because... They're at the bottom of our list here. Yeah, what? I kind of threw them in as a bit of an afterthought, to be honest. Yes. What they, they... I mean, the Belgians don't have a high profile. I always used to joke that the Belgians are known for three things. And Chocolates, pâté and carpets. Carpets? You see, I'm, I've got an M&A view of the world. You know, if I want to do a deal, yeah. and I've got a carpet company for sale, you know, I, I've got to think, you know, who's good at carpets? Oh, the Belgians. Okay. Who's good at pâté? The Belgians. Mm. Um, who's good at chocolates? The Belgians. The Belgians, okay, yeah. yeah. What about the Dutch? What are they good at? Uh, getting high? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the most relaxed capital in Europe. Yeah. Actually, it's not the capital, is it? I was getting that wrong. It's, Amsterdam isn't the capital, it's Den Haag. But anyway, you know, we all treat it as the most important city there. Yeah. What, I mean, what do they Bikes. do? Bikes. Bikes. Bikes, yes. Bikes. They do make the most wonderful bone-shaking sit-up-and-beg bikes. Sit-up-and-beg bike. Yeah. That, actually, you're like right. That, yeah. For a bike maker, go to Holland. Yeah. quite heavy. They are heavy. Are the Dutch bikes what you have in France? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, of course. Mm. They're just good for flat rolling. Oh, yeah. What about the Danes? What do you know about the Danes? Uh, 
Pastries. Think of things they make. Dames. Bacon, beer. Bacon, beer. Yeah, and open sandwiches. Open sandwiches? Yeah, that's how they serve sandwiches, you know. They do incredibly sophisticated sandwiches, you know, with bits and pieces all. It's a bit like sushi approach, but on a sandwich. Mm. But the Danes are also the laziest nation in Europe. Really? Yeah, they go home at 4.30. Wow, low energy solutions. Yeah, and that's maybe partly related to why they're the happiest in Europe. They often come up. We talked about which is the Danish approach to you know being chilled out, you know, going yeah. home of an evening, scented candles, oh yeah, you know, open fire, mm. bubbling pot of stew, hailing outside in your onesie, stroking your dog, snuggled up. Yeah, that sounds like my perfect life. Yeah, the, the Danes. See you are, later. <laughs> the Danes are all about that. They've got a lot to teach the world about, you know, how just to chill. Yeah. So funny that they're sitting there on top of the Germans mm. with a border. Yeah. And so different. I mean, what has happened? How do you explain the differences? So we we've got one more thing to do. Did we do engineering and product? Uh, yeah, stuff? we said that for the Germans. And going back to the Germans, you know, I think they make nice things. Yes. Everyone really wants a German. <laughs> Washing machine, washing machine or a German car. Um, do they want a German wife though? No, but maybe they'll take a German sausage. <laughs> Can we cut that? Um, oh, so yes, that's actually an interesting point. Who are the sexiest? And, you know, I've actually looked up the European heaven and hell. We did talk about lovers, yeah, which is a different thing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I've got a little joke. You. Oh, I love a joke. Um, it's a sort of joke you can't tell anymore. Three guys get on an early morning flight to Gatwick. Yes. One is French. Yes. Philippe. One is Italian. Giuseppe. Giuseppe. And one is British. Charles. Oh. They don't know each other. No. But they're at the back of the plane together, you know, and eventually they get talking. And uh, Giuseppe, the Italian. Yes. You know, they've been having a bit of chit chat. He said, hey. Let me tell you something. Last night, I make a love to my wife six times. And uh, she said to me, Giuseppe, well, I asked her, how was I? Yeah. And she said, Giuseppe, you were magnifico. Magnifico. And she made me this incredible breakfast. You know, she grinded the coffee from the beans takes an hour to get a little smudge of espresso in the bottom of a cup, but it was a worth it. I had the most wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Philippe is, uh, is listening to this. Is ha, Giuseppe. Uh, excusez-moi, Giuseppe, but that is nothing. I made love to my wife 12 times last night. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I said to her in the morning, how was I? And she said, you were magnifique. And she made me this incredible breakfast of croissant, pain mm. chocolat, pain mm. raisin, you know, the big hot chocolate to dip it all in. Huh. Anyway, the Charles is keeping out of the conversation. You know, so they turn to him and say, hey, Charles, what happened to you last night? And Charles says, well, 
As you ask, I made love to my wife. Oh yeah? How many times do you make a love to your wife, Charles? Once. Huh. Only once. What does she say to you in the morning? Don't stop. <laughs> oh, so anyway, this is meant to be my attempt at... Um, at explaining the difference between the nationalities. Oh. Because you can adjust that depending on who you want to upset. Yes. And yeah. being able to upset people is very important in life. Oh, <clears throat> Daniel, I think I'm, I'm following in your footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did come with a warning at the beginning, I will ruin your life. And here we are, continuing with bad jokes and offending people. But do you know what? Life's too short to not enjoy terrible humour. Yeah, I mean, if you if you spend your whole life not offending people, what have you done? Mm. Have you actually engaged with them? I mean, we just said that, you know, what has been 500 years of democracy yeah. done for the Swiss? Yeah, what has it done? Well, we discussed that. Yeah. yeah. Instant coffee and cooking clocks. <laughs> yeah, but then also, yes, we've spoken about these people and people have their preconceptions. They've got their stereotypes. There's nothing wrong with having those ideas, especially, what if you're, yeah, actually I won't say that. Well, I, yeah. But, like, people are known for certain things, and then as you said, oh, but there's the, what they're thought of to be, and then there's the person. So yeah. you can't offend the person without knowing the person, really? Is that possible? <coughs> um. Well, you know, we always say you take offence. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, see how long we're running for here, Sarah. You've got me on some weird thing. Um, and that's better. 25 mm. minutes. Look, what I'm going to say is when I do mergers and acquisitions, yeah. and people want to do what's called cross-border deals, and let's, say, let's say we've got a British company that's yeah. thinking of doing a deal on the continent of Europe. Right. And you say, where are you interested in going? And they'll say, well, we don't want to go to Italy. Uh -huh. So why not? I don't know. We don't trust... The numbers or something. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what about France? No, I don't want to go to France. Why not? I was overcharged for an espresso on the Champs-Élysées by an Algerian waiter six years ago. Mm. Excellent reason for leaving the whole of France yeah. out of your world view. Yeah. Don't you think? But I'm, I'm serious. This is a quote. Someone said that. Yeah, somebody said that. Oh, that's a terrible reason. Yeah, of course it is. But this, yeah. is, this is the way people think. Yeah. They don't like France because once somebody mm. in France did something they didn't like. Yeah. I mean, that's it. That's, that's crazy. I mean, you know, you think I'm stereotyped or superficial. I mean, for God's sake. Mm. I mean, I used to talk to people and say, you know, shall I approach all of the countries? And they said, don't approach um, Italy or Spain. I said, you've just left out 100 million people. Yeah. What are you thinking? Yeah. But that's the way people think. They have the, the they, and they, they think the Dutch are very friendly and very familiar, very like the British, mm. the closest thing to the British culture. Yeah. Have you ever tried to make a joke with a Dutch person? Uh, yeah. Then what? No. Well, you might have tried. I've did tried, you, yeah. Did you succeed? Uh, no. 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 Also, their food is terrible. Oh, gosh. I mean, they have this thing called bitter ballon, right? So the, the, I'm going to give you the, str the street scene. Yeah. There's a little kitchen with a perspex tower of of um, little compartments, which have a door at the back and a door at the front. Mm. And there is somebody making these round, you know, sort of pebble-type things in right. deep-fried. Okay. And putting them in hot to the 
to this um, tower of doors, and you can then open the tower your side, take them out, and eat them. Oh. They are disgusting. Oh. We're going to get a lot of comment from this, aren't we? Maybe. I mean, we, we've got listeners in all these places. We have, but maybe someone will try it and like it, or they'll be like, oh, I heard about this on the, on the Homespun Wisdom, <clears> and <throat> it's a bit of a risk yeah. to uh, put ourselves out there. But they might take that risk because what someone says about something is just someone's opinion until you live it. Mm. Well, I mean, I noticed in Germany most of the restaurants are run by Italians anyway. Are they? Yeah. Ah. It's interesting, actually, how the natives... I mean, when I was in Israel, Mm -hmm. the best restaurants were run by the Arabs by a mile. I mean, you know, I went to one restaurant which was run by the Israelis, the Jews, and... um, and I asked for a burger and this and that and the other. And the guy said to me, you realise you can only get two sides. I must have asked for three oh. on this deal. I said, I'm not interested. I asked for these three things. Just yeah. bring them. And in, you know, if you go to an Arab-run restaurant, they just keep bringing you stuff you never even knew existed. And the last thing they'd ever say is, do you know, you can't get those three things on there. They just bring you what you want. They understand hospitality. Yeah. As long as you're paying for it. Yeah. Again. Some people just don't get hospitality. No. I mean, can you imagine if your if your whole life is about order and rules? Mm. You're not going to be in a hospitality industry, are you? No. I mean, that, no. <laughs> that is where it starts to go wrong. You can only have three peas <laughs> and <laughs> one dollop of mash. I think the Brits, though, have got it really well worked out. You think I, so? I love it here. Yeah. We've got such a great balance between all mm. of these things. I mean, because we, we're we not very defensive about our own culture. Right. Know? I mean, in, the, if, in France, if you go to eat anywhere, it's always the same bistro menu. I can tell you what's going to be on it. Should we go through it? No. But I mean, look, it's absolutely predictable. They're going to have, yeah. you know, chocolate mousse and all the, you know, all the totally predictable thing. Tarte tatin. They're going to have cassoulet. They're going to have a canard, confit du canard. Mm. They're going to have a steak frites. Um, you know, I mean, I can predict the menu. They've actually started using British puddings in northern France, where we go a lot. Right. They've just made that little crack oh. in their culture. So we now have something called the Eton Mess. Oh, look at this Eton Mess. Or the Crumbel. The mm. Crumbel. <laughs> or the Eton Mess. They've got no idea. I keep telling them the story of how the Eton Mess which is like a pavlova that's gone wrong. wrong isn't yeah. it? Do, do you know how the story of the Eton mess? Someone drops it. And they dropped it. In just scooped it all back Eton up. Eton dining room. And yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, so the French are just showing a slight openness. But in Britain, we are so open to everybody's food. Yeah. This is the, London. It's like a massive cosmopolitan place where you can get every type of food. Yeah. Because we're not very defensive. I mean, we have fish and chips mm-hmm. and the Sunday roast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and, and, and the fry up. Yeah. Now, these are really important things, by the way. Are. I love every single one of them. But then we were open. You know, we don't mind having a bit of Vietnamese, a bit of yeah. Thai sushi. Yeah, simple I mean, things. You know what I had at home at the weekend? My four-year-old nephew said to Grandma, beans, cheese and potato. And I thought, Theo, solid choice. I gave up the lamb chops and the stew mum had made, and I was like, Mum, I'm with this guy. Beans, cheese, mashed potato, please. And it was so good. So simple, so good, so homely and basic. Yeah, 
Do you know I had? Do you know where I had the best? You know, a club sandwich. What that yes, is? Yeah. Do you know where I had the best club sandwich in the world? Weatherspoons. And I've eaten them all over the world. Be serious. Sorry. Uh, I'm talking about which country, first of all. Oh, okay. Uh, then not necessarily on that list. Not even. on the list. No. I would say your best club sandwich. Daniel's <laughs> <laughs> trying to whisper to me. India. India? Yeah. I would never have guessed India. In the, in the Taj Hotel in Mumbai. Really? By the pool. What? Because I'm starting Honestly, to. Think... You know what? I can actually still yeah. visualise everything about that sandwich. Right. <clears throat> I mean, the, you know, the, the shape, the colours, the incredible perfection of every level mm. and there are a lot of levels in a club sandwich do you think a club sandwich actually is a colonial thing do you think it's from the Raj it was actually invented you know something that was maintained in the Raj we, we don't know that shall I do some, some live research the club sandwich the origin of it but yeah they did absolutely the best um, club sandwich I've ever had <coughs> oh, but we're talking about um, what everybody is relatively good at and, and have you noticed that when you go into other um, countries that the, they they don't seem to have that variety that we have. No, because they they feel more defensive. Yeah, which means less confident, by the way, mm. about their own culture. Yeah. So um, you know the French haven't admitted much, and even if you go and look at the wines in a French supermarket, you know there's French, 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 and then a little suggestion of some Spanish or Italian. But, you know they they haven't allowed things in, and for a long time. Cars as well was very nationally based. Oh yes. You know, so, if you were in France, yeah. you had a Renault yes. or a Citroën mm. or a Peugeot. <laughs> I always used to make jokes about Citroën because it sounds a bit like the word for lemon. Yeah. So Citroën. Citroën. My dad always said, "Don't buy a French car." No. <laughs> no, they're not. The Germans make the better cars. We, they do. We yeah. know that. But then we discussed previously that they're made for the roads. The French need to go over the cobbles. Mm. But yeah. So, um, the British. Yes. Sense of humour. Sense of humour. Yeah. Hardy, adaptable. Yeah. I mean, we are... It's interesting, actually, when you look at what people are best at in the world. Mm. So, the Germans, let's just say, make the best engineered products. If you want a washing machine, a car, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know. I actually don't like a lot of those things. They're a bit hard. But anyway... Certainly a washing machine that works forever is a good idea. And you had problems with an Italian one, didn't you? I did, yes. You know, you just know if you buy an Italian washing machine, eventually you're going to have a problem. Well, I was expecting a, a, a handsome Italian man to come and fix it. Yeah, I mean, you've probably got a German <laughs> with his blue overalls and his toolkit and his lunchbox. Um, <laughs> but yes, so um, you, you definitely, the Brits have built the largest professional services companies in the world. Mm. So if you're talking about accountants, talking about lawyers, yeah. engineers, um, civil engineers, all these sorts of people, that we, we have the largest international practices in the world. Mm. Um, and we're obviously good at the service side of things. So that's another way of, of looking at the, the best um, of the European heaven and the European hell. If it's a service-based thing, the Brits. Professional services, a lawyer. Okay. If it's, um, if it's a manufactured thing, maybe the Germans. But yeah, I mean, I, I, the firm I started working for, Clifford Turner, as it was then called, became Clifford Chance. And I don't know if it's still the largest in the world, but it's certainly... And it was only 25 partners when I joined in 1982. Okay. Um, now and are... now probably has 700. 
They're massive organisations. Yeah. Massive organisations. And, and I think part of the, the reason why the Brits are so good at this is that we actually are quite good at dealing with every other culture. Yeah. Most other cultures have some difficulty in dealing with other people. Mm. So if you're French and you're trying to build an international business, yeah. you're, you know, you're going to have this problem with Napoleonic vision. <laughs> the, the idea that the French know best and we will conquer all before us, whereas the Brits tend to sort of try and... And you can almost see this in, in empire, which I know is going to be a controversial subject, because nobody behaved well. But I think the Brits behaved better than most, because they were, in many cases, trying to find an accommodation. Right. Um, more so than many of the others that just came and imposed everything. It's quite interesting that the French bought um, the Hungarian... A national air, um, airline, you know what do you call it, carrier, okay. Marlev, and then they sold it on because they couldn't make it work, probably because they had this Napoleonic vision thing. Mm. And afterwards, somebody was asked, "What did they do?" Yeah. And what do you think the answer was? Nothing. No, they did one thing that that, that, that was a lasting benefit for for the Hungarian national airline: improved the catering. Oh. See. Wow. So they did get stuck into the one thing they know a lot about. So really, in a way, what we're talking about is proof of what I said. Yeah. And if the Germans had taken over Marlev, you know, then probably it would have been a lot more efficient. It would have run on time. It wouldn't have had so much you know, technical problems and so yeah. forth. And um, if the Danish had run it, then all the flights would have been grounded at 4.30. <laughs> and they would have trolleyed around the, you know, the sort of... You know, just chill out. Chill out, they'd be in the, the airport lounge. <laughs> there's, a, there's a fantastic scene in um, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, one of my favourite book series, in which um, there's a <laughs> there's a scene inside an aeroplane. And um, it's obviously been like that for hundreds of years. Mm. The, the, the um, passengers are all strapped in. They're now skeletons. They haven't been allowed off the plane by the robots that are going up and down on the last sort of breath of their battery right. pack. And they're saying, there will be a short delay whilst we wait for the lemon-scented towelettes to arrive. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know why I found that funny, because there was this thing, wasn't there, for a long time. Yes. I, I took so many plays, they, they would come down. And, of course, on, on Lufthansa, you got one that was, you know, like five times bigger than everyone else's. Everyone else's was just a two-inch square thing, a yeah. mean little thing. But Lufthansa, I used to sort of ask for extras and keep them. Oh, did you? It's like a whole flannel you Oh, got. yes. Yeah, I've seen the whole flannel ones, yeah. Yeah. But there is something so great about, um, especially in restaurants, when they bring you over a lemon, hot lemon yeah. towel, and you're like, oh, this is great. Yeah, I know. When you arrive hot and bothered at a hotel, they sometimes have a little, yeah. especially in India, actually. The arrival experience in India... My God, you know, they, 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 they sprinkle hospitality, they, don't they? Yeah, they're putting a bindi on your forehead, they're throwing petals at you, there's mm. a whole, everyone lined up, this is a hot towel or a cold towel, a drink, you know, and you haven't yeah. made it anywhere near the reception desk, well, you don't need to, they've taken your bags off you, you're sat down, yeah. they do all the formalities for you, you know, they, they've really got it worked out. They have, yes. Yeah. Until you hit the roads and you think, oh my God, this car's coming towards me. You've got a family on a motorbike next to you and you think, get me back to the hotel. But with in, my in, in a funny way, the clash between cultures, mm. and I, you know, I was talking about it in terms of mergers and acquisitions, because that's what I do for a living. And it's quite amusing when you're acting for a, a French 
buyer of a German company or British buyer of an Italian company or whatever it happens to be. How some of these things come out. There, there was an amusing incident when an Irish company was buying a Spanish company right. I was helping with, and uh, uh, after a certain amount of negotiation and stuff, the um, the um, Irish turned to the Spaniards and said, "You know, we don't speak Spanish. Sorry, we don't speak Spanish. Sorry, but." We keep hearing you say manana, manana, and we, we don't have any idea what that could be. What what is all, all this manana stuff? And the Spaniards uh, say, "Oh, I, I can't actually do a Spanish accent. It's one of my great." Oh no! Yeah, I can't. I must practice it. Spaniards, so, you've got to be a bit I'm, I'm so sorry. Maybe I could just do an Italian one. Okay. I'm so sorry, but uh, manana, it mean. Don't worry. It may happen tomorrow. That's what manana means. Mm. Tomorrow is fine. Nothing happened. The sky not fall down. The world not come to an end. Mm. The world not stop a spinning. Yeah. Don't get a stress. A stressed. Because the Spaniards always put an E in front of the S. Mm. Don't get a stressed. And the Irish look at each other and think, Okay, okay. I think we understand what you're saying. But in Ireland, we don't have any concept to convey such a sense of urgency. <laughs> and actually the Danes would have been even more or less bothered wouldn't oh, they yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah, but, so, yeah I get it in, in when I do M&A and I'm probably one of the world authorities funny enough of this having done it for 40 years now um, and usually with private owners so you get the very personal stuff coming through not the, the big corporate stuff much more the private owners yeah. family owners and everything And um, but then aeroplanes Mm. is a great place where all this goes on, you know, because you, you, you collect together people from all over the world, aren't you? you are, and then yeah. you're subjected to the Lufthansa service on board. Now, they start off well yeah. with a huge flannel-sized lemon-scented towelette. And they weren't happy when I asked for extras, by the way, when I just obviously stuffed them in my bag. <laughs> they could see that. I love but, how cheeky you are. But then I, on one occasion, I got into a bit of trouble because they came around with the bread oh. before the meal. Right. And I hadn't had a drink at this stage, right? And then they came around again with the bread. Right. And I said, could we just have a drink? Yes. We are done with the bread. Mm. But this is the thing, you know, in, in Germany... I don't eat out there very much, but probably when you're sat down, they just keep coming around with the bread rolls, you know. And you're never buying anything off the actual menu. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm full. I've had so much bread. Well, bread is a big thing in Germany. I know, For yeah. Brot. Mm. Brot. They do have good bread. They do actually have good bread, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, that's one thing you should give them credit for. But the other weird thing about Germany is if you can even go to a little town, mm. they have, like, four opticians. You know, just all there. I mean... Actually, it's become more like that over here, hasn't it? It has. Lots of, lots of opticians. They're just persuading people they need lots of pairs of glasses. No, they just need to do your eye exercises. Well, no, yes, it's, no one's going to listen to me now. Okay. So, yeah, on the plane, you know, you can really feel that culture. The French, the Germans, the Italians, the British. The, the BA, it's a bit severe, isn't it? You know, it's kind of like, a, you can't really complain about it, but it's a bit sort of... Hold your cup up, please, you know, because you're, they can't pour the tea when your cup is on the tray, you know. know. Almost like, you know, they're, they're almost like headmistress types, you know, yeah. sort of you know, trying to disapprove of, of your lack of competence or experience. But they provide a service. You know what you're going to get. 
Your luggage yep. is included in the price. You'll get some food. You'll get a drink. You'll get to your destination. Yep. We once played a tremendous trick on, on the BA cabin staff. Who's we? We're the family. We, okay. we were all at the back of the plane in economy. Right. And on the way onto the plane, there was this very large chap who was behaving badly. Mm. And we didn't like him. We didn't actually have any interaction with him. But we okay. noticed he sat in the first, the back row of, of club. Yeah. You know, the other side of the, the curtain. Right. And we hadn't had any dealings with him. But at some point in the journey, my daughter, Hannah, who is a great prankster, called over the stewardess. And they served reliably, in those days, in British Army, a lemon muffin in a sealed plastic bag, oh, which yeah. so it sweats Ooh. and is disgusting. Uh-huh. And we collected all of our lemon muffins and said, our uncle is sitting in the first row <laughs> of club on the right. So, you know, he could afford... <laughs> could you please take him? Because he loves your... Lemon and, and they don't serve them in club. They give them something decent, probably. So we said, could you please... Take <laughs> the lemon muffins down to him. He'll be so pleased. And so dutifully, this <laughs> the cabin attendant, I think we have to call her, went off. And there was an explosion, honestly. Like, what the F, etc. Oh, yeah. It was so funny. We were just wetting ourselves That's in the back brilliant. of the room. But that was great revenge. I mean, and really, you need to think, mm. when people annoy you, how you can get that type of revenge on them. It's so much better than saying something. Yeah. You know, in the time you rude oaf yeah he's heard that yeah. a million times before yeah. that doesn't work be original yeah but having the, <laughs> having the stewardess come down and thinking she's doing something really personal yeah and friendly I mean poor poor woman but great on her and of course he was German so it was even better oh dear. Um, good. do you think we're running over time yeah I think we'll uh, oh it's laptop signed out oh finish on that great story and uh, next time I'm flying should someone bother me like that yeah just have your whole meal sent down to them that uh, might not work not the whole meal but just not the whole meal just the the, the white sliced yeah <laughs> you, know, there's you didn't always... get that did you the whole meal the white sliced no, and then you, that one you were too too busy whole meal bread oh god yeah they can have that so busy thinking about what you want to say. Oh dear, right, bring the show me. to a close, Sarah. Do you want to do it uh, in French? Uh, no. Spanish? No. Oh. Well, what do we name? What do we say? Thank you for listening to us. Gracias por escucharnos. I have been Sarah Sharman. Uh, estaba Sarah Sharman. And he's been Daniel Confino. Uh, well, I can't say that now. Ah. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. Please like, subscribe, review, all of that, and join us again next time on Homespun Wisdom Talks with My Neighbour. Ciao for now. Bye. Adios. Au revoir. A bientôt. <laughs> <laughs>